Welcome to Catholic Conversations. This is your host, Adrian Fonseca. And today, I know I promised that I was going to do a podcast on transhumanism and on the metaverse and Web 3.0 and that kind of thing. But I'm not ready for it. So I've been listening to lectures on transhumanism and the like, and I think I need to give it a little bit more time. I might actually reach out to a expert on this topic, a priest who studied in Rome and wrote a couple of academic journals or essays, papers, whatever, uh, on this topic and invite them onto the show. I might, I'm thinking of doing that instead, but we'll see what ends up happening. So instead, today, because it is the Feast of St. Louis de Mumford, I decided that it would be an awesome idea to talk about the lessons from St. Louis de Mumford's life. I mean, one, the Holy Rosary, two, the reign of Mary, three, the love of divine, of eternal wisdom is the phrase he uses, uh, four, a devotion to the uh, to our guardian angels, and there's just so many things, lessons from the life of St. Louis de Mumford that we should be focused on and learning about, and we only ever reach out and think about the devotion to Mary, which is incredibly important and I will be talking about, but it's not the only thing. So let me throw you into the episode now and we can uh, discuss this topic and many more coming up. Quick interjection for the intro. I just forgot to put there in the intro that I needed to just include, you know, like, subscribe, share it, hit the bell notification bell, leave us a review for listening to the podcast version. Uh, five-star reviews and reviews are so, so much help to get this podcast out to more people. I would be very grateful for that. I'm sorry for interrupting your intro and making this podcast longer, but I need you to do that for me. I'd be very grateful. And if you would leave me a comment that helps with the algorithm, all those things, very grateful to you. Let us be apostles of Mary. Let us spread the truth and the eternal wisdom by doing this small thing I think would be very beneficial to people. I hope it'll be beneficial, beneficial to people. Anyway, let me throw you back into the intro and I'll just stop talking now. So St. Louis de Montfort, he was an amazing saint. He was a Dominican, a third order Dominican. So the Dominican order gets to claim him as part of their patrimony. But St. Louis de Montfort was an amazing preacher, but also a very holy and devout man. I would give a biography of his life, but that's not really what I'm trying to do. But just so you have a brief idea of his life, he was in the Vendée area of France where he was born. He obviously was uh, grew lived in Montfort in France, and he was given apostolic mandate to preach throughout the area. And at one point, he was actually banned from nearly every single diocese in the country because of his, the hatred for him because of his orthodoxy. And I think that's a beautiful thing to see, like people standing up and not willing to back down no matter what. It's a beautiful thing for the saints to see the saints do these things. The Today, I'm going to go through some quotes of his and just talk about that. I'm going to go through his fiery prayer, his uh, prayer for eternal wisdom, and a little bit about his spirituality because it's the devotion to Mary is key and important, but it's not the only thing. And his devotion to the Blessed Virgin was actually directed towards the eternal wisdom, which is Christ himself. So uh, let me start off just by going through a couple things. One thing that I want to cover, and uh, I will try to share my desktop, see if you can actually see. Okay, so I have the desktop shared, so now you can actually see what's going on. You just saw a cut, so you didn't see all the, the jibber-jabber that happened through that. Okay, so the fiery prayer of the Apostle of Times, St. Louis de Mumford composes prayer. You're looking at the, if you're watching on YouTube, if you're listening to the podcast version, you're not going to be able to follow along, but that's fine. It's not a huge deal to be able to see it. But I'm going to go through this prayer, and I think it'll be a good thing to pray 
pray this prayer today on the Feast of St. Louis de Mumford. And if you listen to it later, well, this is just a good prayer to pray all the time. It's a pretty fairly long prayer, though, so it is uh, it is it takes a little bit of time. But we're going to go through it slowly, break it down. Then we're going to go over the prayer for eternal wisdom, talk about that, and then go through some of the quotes of St. Louis de Mumford uh, from the article that National Catholic Register put out. A very good article with some amazing quotes that really cover some of the things. I, I came to a devotion to St. Louis de Mumford while I was in the novitiate. I actually got the complete works of St. Louis de Mumford and read his letters, and I just was very caught up with him. He was very beloved um, in, his, in the people that he wrote to. He just l- wrote with, to them with such love and devotion to his friends and his family. Um, though it was interesting the way he would write to his family. And he would sign all of his letters— First, he would do one of a couple of things. One, he would salute your guardian angel, which I thought was very beautiful. Uh, but I will talk about that at the end, his devotion to the angels and uh, some of those other things. But let's start off with this prayer right here, the fiery prayer for the Apostle of Latter Times. It's an amazing prayer. So let me start. Remember, O Lord, remember thy congregation which thou didst possess from the beginning. And think of from all eternity. It was held in the, thy almighty hand. When by a word thou didst create the world out of nothing, it was hidden in thy heart when thy divine son, dying on the cross, consecrated it by his death and confided it as a precious treasure to the care of his most dear mother. Remember thy congregation which thou hast possessed from the beginning. It's remembering so that we start the prayer off. He's reminding us of Reminding, well, he's so it's kind of interesting. We kind of have these ideas like remember, O Most Gracious Virgin Mary, and we tell our Lord to remember things, which obviously Our Lady and our Lord don't forget things. They're not. It's more of a reassurance of ourselves to remind us that we, who we are in relation to Christ, because God doesn't need us to remind him of these things. It is good to do it, but it's more for us in a sense. It is more for us that we remember who we are in relation to God. We are his congregation. When we bless God, we are reminding ourselves of the things of which God does or has done for us that is deserving of our praise and blessings. He goes on, Accomplish, O Lord, thy merciful designs. Raise up the men of thy right hand, such men as thou hast shown in prophetic vision to some thy greatest servants, to Francis of Paola, to St. Vincent Ferrer, to St. Catherine of Siena, and to many other noble souls during the last two centuries. So first, he's recognizing that these there's going to be that God is rising up people that are going to be so great that they were foretold by the great visionaries of his time. Remember, O Lord, O Almighty God, remember this company applying to it all the might of thy arm, which has no limits to create, to produce and to bring it to perfection. That has no limits. So he's saying one, God is infinite infinite to create, ex nihilo. God can create out of nothing. That is a unique power that God has. Great God, thou who are, who out of the very stones can raise up children to Abraham, in the might of thy Godhead, say but one word to provide good laborers for thy harvest and missionaries for thy church. Again, this is a reference to multiple passages in Scripture, but the important thing here, well, there's a lot of important things, but one important thing here is to provide good laborers for thy harvest and missionaries for thy church. Now, this is something that we should be praying for often. We should pray for laborers to harvest and missionaries for thy church. Because especially in our times, and in the times of St. Louis de Mumford, there were great evils happening throughout the world. St. Louis de Mumford had heretics trying to kill him in every corner, and they, we needed people to stand up and fight for the truth, to fight for God. We needed people to stand up and say, we want God. Uh, oh, men ungrateful. 
the Supreme Father, the Redeemer, a great song that St. Louis de Montfort wrote, and uh, it's a beautiful song that maybe I can uh, play for you all at some point in this passage uh, somewhere here. But the this is important for us because we need to pray for this, and St. Louis de Montfort is responding and saying, just as God can turn stone into the children of Abraham, so too can he take us, take one of us, you and I, and make us great missionaries, make us great laborers for the harvest, meaning to bring about the salvation of souls, to convert sinners. Remember, O Lord, God of infinite goodness, remember thy mercies of old, and through this mercy, remember this congregation, remember thy repeated promises that thou hast made to us thy, by thy prophets and by thine own Son to grant us all our lawful request. Remember the prayers. Remember, that's, that's an important point, all our lawful requests, because God has promised that he will answer us but only our lawful requests. Whenever we ask for the things that God desires for us, God will respond. And prayer isn't some kind of magical formula, but God holds in his hands, and Our Lady has shown this by her apparition to St. Catherine Labore with the Miraculous Medal. She desires to give us graces. God desires to give us graces. Our Lady desires to give us graces. But sometimes they desire to give it to us by our prayers. And if we fail to pray for it, we fail to receive those graces. So let us ask for them, and let us ask not for uh, selfish things, worldly things, but for the things that God desires to give us. Remember the prayers that have been offered to thee by thy servants for this end and for so many centuries. Let their wishes, their sighs, their tears, and the blood that they have shed for thee come into thy presence and earnestly implore thy mercy. This is the thing that's important. Their sighs, their tears, and their blood. Are we offering our sighs, our tears, and our blood? Or we talk about, you know, working with our blood, sweat, and tears. But what are we doing with those blood, sweat, or tears? Are we just letting it fall to the earth and die? Or are we letting that be the, the, the water that, that waters the soil, that waters the seed that will plant and that will sprout and bring about the great saints of the latter times? Uh, let's move on. The, they said, for thee, come into thy presence and earnestly implore thy mercy. But above all, remember thy dear son. Look on the face of thy Christ. Contemplate his agony, his shame and confusion, his loving complaint in the Garden of Olives when he said, What profit is there in my blood? His cruel death, his blood that poured forth cries out for mercy, so that by means of this congregation, his kingdom may be established upon the ruins of that of his enemies. Remember, O Lord, remember, O Lord, this community and the effects of thy justice. It is time, O Lord, to do. They have dissipated thy law. It is time to do what thou hast promised. The divine law is transgressed. Thy gospel is ignored. Thy religion abandoned. Torrents of iniquity overwhelm the world, carrying away even thy servants. The whole earth has become desolate. Impiety is enthroned. The sanctuary is profaned. An abomination has reached even into the holy place. Whoa. Like you just read that and you're saying, how is he not talking about our times? He's obviously talking about the times that he lived and then the, the people that were attacking him and the people who were attacking the church, the heretics there in his life, who were destroying the good, the true, and the beautiful. But even more so today, this applies even tenfold today when we think about the sanctuary being profaned. How much profanation have we seen in the sanctuary today? In fact, in most churches, you can't even find the tabernacle. Our Lord is not even present in most churches today. Can you imagine that? The whole earth has become desolate. I'm thinking of the transgender ideology that's prevalent in our culture, the LGBT mob, 
the idea that we can, like, what does scripture say? Woe to you who calls good evil and evil good. And what is what is our society but a society that calls good evil and evil good? That that is what our society has become. That's what we are. It is a wicked and terrible thing to fall into the hands of an angry God. So this is uh, something that we should we are dealing with today. Something that we should be praying for and recognize the abomination that it's even even in the holy places, even in where God dwells, even in the churches, our Lord is is desecrated, is blasphemed by his by his priest, by his laity, is handled by the hands of those who are unworthy, are received by grave sinners. This is a great troubling thing. Then we need to stand up and fight against these evils. That way God will be enthroned because God alone is another great phrase of St. Louis de Mumford that he repeated hundreds of times. God alone, God alone, God alone. Very important. Will I suffer this any longer, just Lord, God of vengeance? Will the end of all be like that of Sodom and Gomorrah? <laughs> I just have to stop right there and say, there is a great quote. I don't know who it's supposed to be attributed to, so I can't attribute it, but it's a great quote from someone who said, if God does not destroy our country, our world, for what we do, have done, with the slaughter of the unborn, the slaughter of the innocents, the promotion of, of sodomy, of destruction of marriage, destruction of humanity, of anthropology, then he owes Sodom and Gomorrah an apology. And isn't that true? If God sent down fire from heaven to destroy Sodom and Gomorrah for their sins. How much more does the unjust nations deserve? We deserve things far worse than the waters of the deluge. Will thou be forever silent? Must not thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven? Must not thy kingdom come? Hast thou not given to some of thy friends a prophetic glimpse of the future renovation of thy church? Are not the Jews to be converted to the truth? Is not this what thy church is awaiting? This is another thing. I'll stop right here. Are not the Jews to be converted to the truth? We have this strange idea that you, for some reason, by trying to convert Jews, by trying to convert them and bring them to the true faith and bring them to everlasting life, that that's anti-Semitism. And I say that is absolutely ridiculous because it would be anti-Semitic to not give them the gospel, to not tell them that you need to accept our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ or else you will be damned. That is anti-Semitism because you hate them if you don't want them saved. And I love them. And that's why I want them saved. That's why I want them to accept the gospel and reject the Jewish faith that's no longer bringing about salvation. It cannot. It cannot bring salvation to you because there is no other name in which you can be saved except for that of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Do not all the saints in heaven cry out to thee, avenge thyself. Do not all the just on earth say to thee, amen. Come, O Lord, for the first, for the time is at hand. Do not all creatures, even the most insensible, moan under the weight of the numerous sins of Babylon and call for thy coming to reestablish all things, for we know that every creature groaneth. Yeah. Let's pray for the coming chastisement. It'll be a, it'll be a grace when our Lord sends down his fires. It'll be a horrible day for us. It'll be, it'll be painful. It won't be fun for us, but it'll be a good thing because God's justice will be executed. How long should he stay his hand? Let's pray for the coming chastisement, and let's pray that God not look upon us like that of the unjust nations. Lord Jesus, remember thy congregation. Remember to give thy mother a new company, who through her 
will renew all things and thus through Mary complete the year, years of grace just as through her thou did begin them. This is beginning to talk about the reign of Mary and the apostles of Mary. Let's, let's pray that our Lord grant us the grace to become an apostle of Mary, to be part of that congregation, to be of the company that through her will renew all things. Give me children, otherwise I shall die. Give to thy mother children, servants, or let me die. Give thy mother children. It is for thy mother's sake that I pray to thee. Remember that thou did dwell within her womb, were nourished at her breast, and reject me not. Remember whose son thou art, and hear me. Remember what she is to thee, what thou art to her, and grant my request. What is it I am asking from thee? Nothing for myself, all for thy glory. What am I asking of thee? What? Thou can, and even I dare say, what thou should grant me. Being as thou art the true God, to whom all power has been given in heaven and earth, and the best of all children, for thou love thy mother with an infinite love. What am I asking of thee? Children, priest free with thy freedom, detached from all things, without father or mother or brothers or sisters, without relations according to the world, without means, without worry, without cares, and even without any will of their own. That is a freedom which we don't understand today. We don't understand a freedom that means a detachment from things. A freedom where we are not bogged down by worldly things. We are freed from the world, the flesh, and the devil, and free to serve God, which is what he's getting to next. Children, slaves of thy love and of thy will, men according to thy heart, who without self-will to stain and hold them back, accomplish all thy designs and crush all thy enemies. Other Davids with the staff of the cross and the sling of the holy rosary in their hands. Imagine a freedom to fight, a freedom to take up arms with the staff of the cross and the sling of the holy rosary to go against Goliath. Is that not what we are fighting today? Is not the culture the Goliath today? And what is our tool that heaven has given us to fight against the Goliath of today? It is the cross and the rosary. We have to fight back. This is what St. Louis de Mumford is praying for, for children of Mary, the children of Mary, children of Mary who will fight, who will be so freed from the world, the flesh, and the devil, will be freed with those evangelical counsels of poverty, chastity, and obedience, that they will be able to fight. It goes on, children's souls raised above this earth like heavenly dew, who without impediment fly hither and thither in accordance with the breath of the Holy Spirit. It was they in part the prophets spoke when they said, Who are these that fly as clouds? Whether the impulse of the Spirit was to go, there they went. I can't help but think that our Lord desires that we be able to give up everything. So that way we may go, just like he says here, wherever the Spirit goes, wherever the Spirit calls, we should just go, move, have this movement where we don't have feel like bogged down, where we have to say, oh, I got to schedule my vacation time. I got to uh, send in my two weeks notice. I got to plan things out a month in advance. If the Holy Ghost is moving you to go and do something and to go somewhere, get up and go. Let's not be bogged down. Children, men ever at thy hand, ever ready to obey thee like Samuel at the voice of their superiors. Presto sum, I am ready. Every ready to run and suffer everything with thee and for thee like the apostles. Let us also go. 
that we may die with him. Presto sum. We have to be presto sum to say, I am ready. I am ready to fight. I am ready to go. Whatever happens, uh, Lord, speak. Come, Lord. Tell me what you desire of me. So that way I may know and I may go. I am your servant. I have come to do your will. Children, true children of Mary, thy holy mother, who are begotten and concealed of her charity, carried in her bosom, fastened to her breast, nourished with her milk, reared under her care, upheld by her arms, and enriched with her graces. Let's think about that. Let's pray for that. Let's pray for that grace to be fastened under the care of Our Lady, that she enriches with the grace to be these Apostles of the latter times, children, true servants of the Blessed Virgin, who, like other St. Dominics, would go everywhere carrying the bright and burning torch of the Holy Gospel in their mouths and the Holy Rosary in their hands, barking like faithful watchdogs at the wolves who would fain tear to pieces the flock of Jesus Christ, burning like fires and lighting up the darkness of the world like other suns, men who would, by means of a true devotion to Mary, that is to say, an interior, not hypocritical exterior, not critical, prudent, not ignorant, tender, not indifferent, constant, not unsteady, and holy, without presumption, crush, Wherever they go, the head of the old serpent, in order that the curse that placed on him might by might be entirely fulfilled. I will put enmities between thee and the woman, and thy seed and her seed, she shall crush thy head. That's what it is, Genesis three fifteen. She will crush the head with thy seed, with the children of Mary. The head of the serpent will be crushed. Let uh, let us be children of Mary. So that way we may be like St. Dominic. I don't know if you got the reference here. St. Dominic and his Dominicans were known as the hound of the Lord, that blessed Anne, the mother of Dominic, when she had a vision of the child in her womb, bursting from her womb with a torch in his mouth, lighting the world on fire. This was a symbol of a spreading of the gospel and lighting the world on fire with the fire of Christ to conquer heresies. The great portraits I've seen of the Dominicans as dogs pinning down the heresies, the wolves that are coming to seek to devour the sheep. This is what we have to be. This is what we pray for, that God make us other St. Dominics, that they give us the Holy Rosary and the gospel in our mouth. So that means we need to study the gospel. That means we need to pray the rosary. We need to be deep in the tradition and be truly devoted to Mary. It is true, great God, that as thou hast predicted, the world will lay mighty snares to entrap the hill of this mysterious woman. That is to say, the little company of her children will emerge toward the end of the world, and there will be a mighty enmity between the blessed posterity of Mary and the cursed race of Satan. But it is a divine enmity, and only one of which thou art the author, I will put enmities. But these combats and persecutions that the children of the race of Belel will inflict on thy blessed mother's race will only serve to show the greater advantage, the power of thy grace and the courage of their virtue and the authority of thy mother since thou hast given to her from the beginning of the world the commission to curse this proud spirit by the humility of her heart she shall crush thy head our lord loves to use the weak to lead the strong he loves to use the weak to conquer the strong so that way it is clear that it is our lady's victory that it's our lord's victory and not our own not humanity's and that's why we look to our left and we look to our right and we're surrounded on every side. The transgender movement, the LGBT ideology, the enemies of the church, the Satanists are all around us, constantly attacking us. 
and it feels like we're, we're overwhelmed. There's no chance of victory. But our Lord desires to give us victory whenever things seem to be lost, when nothing seems to be going our way. So that's why we have to pray for that grace. So that way Our Lady, her immaculate heart will triumph. If not this, then I shall die. It is not better that I should die rather than see my God cruelly offended every day, in myself in constant danger of being carried away by the unopposed and ever-increasing torrent of iniquity. Ah, death, death would be to me a thousand times preferable. Either send me help from heaven or take away my soul. Yes, if I did not hope that sooner or later thou would, in the interest of thy glory, hear his poor sinner, as thou hast already heard so many others. This poor man cried, and the Lord heard him. Then I would pray to thee, just as the prophet did, take away my soul. I just, I just can't even imagine having that faith. I have to pray for it. I have to pray to have that desire that to hear our Lord offended. To have hear blasphemy against God, to be so wounded in my soul that I would rather die than hear it. But then rather than die, let's fight against it because God is cruelly offended every day. And I'm thinking of myself only. I offend God every day and I hear God being offended every day. And majority of the time, it's too hard to stand up against it. It's too much work to say something. But God desires that we fight for him. Do we desire rather to die than to have God offended? Let's pray for that grace. But the confidence that I have in thy mercy makes me say with all another prophet, I shall not die, but live and shall declare the works of the Lord until I can say with Simeon, now thou dost dismiss thy servant, O Lord, in peace, because my eyes have seen thy salvation. It's a beautiful thing. He's saying, yes, I would rather die. But because I am the servant of the Most High, I would rather fight. And when you are done with me, O Lord, then let me go in peace. Remember, O Lord, Holy, o Holy Spirit, remember to produce and to form children of God with thy divine and faithful spouse, Mary. Thou did form Jesus Christ, the chief of the predestined, with her and in her. It is with her and in her that thou should form all his members. Thou didst beget no divine person in the divinity, but it is thou alone who forms all holy persons and out of divinity and all the saints that have been or shall be until the end of the world are so many works of thy love united with Mary. The special reign of God, the Father, lasted until the deluge and was concluded by a deluge of water. The reign of Jesus Christ was concluded by a deluge of blood. But thy reign, Spirit of the Father and of the Son, continues at the present time and will be concluded by deluge of fire, of love, and of justice. Okay, this is an important point. It says that the lasting until the deluge, there was the reign of the Father. And that the water is what washed away those people. It was God's the Father, his, his action of creation. Now the Holy Trinity acts together and always with one another. And then the reign of Christ was concluded by the deluge of blood. But the reign of the Holy Ghost, which came to us at Pentecost, continues until today. And when the end of the world comes, it'll be the end of his era. And his era will be concluded with a deluge of fire. But also of love and of justice. And justice will be served. No one escapes it. Let's pray today for the deluge of fire, love, and justice.
When shall it come, this deluge of fire and pure love, which thou art to kin kindle in all the earth with so much strength and sweetness that all nations, Turks, idolater, even the Jews will burn with it and be converted? And there is no one who can hide himself from his heat. This is a beautiful thing, that all nations will be converted. Let's pray for that. May it be enkindled. May this divine fire, which Jesus Christ came to bring the world, be enkindled before that of thy anger, which will reduce everything to ashes. Send forth thy spirit, and they shall be created, and thou shalt renew the face of the earth. It's not only symbolic. Send forth the spirit of fire upon the earth to create priests, all aflame by whose ministry the face of the earth may be renewed and the church reformed. Let's pray for good priest, for holy priest, for holy religious vocations. Remember that congregational Lord, it is a congregation, an assembly, a choice selection of predestined souls, which thou must make in the world and of the world. I have chosen you out of the world. It is a flock of peaceful sheep, which thou must collect from among the wolves, a company of chaste doves and royal eagles from among so many ravens, a swarm of honeybees from among so many wasps, a herd of fleet deer from among so many tortoises, a battalion of courageous lions from among so many timid hares. Ah, Lord, gather us from among the nations. Call us together, unite us, that we may render all glory to the holy, to thy holy and powerful name. The holy name of Jesus, let us, let us pray that the holy name of Jesus be always honored, loved, and adored, that all blasphemies against him are destroyed. Let's pray that God bring together the lions of Judah, all those lions, us, who may be strengthened to fight, Gather us from all the different nations that we get together to fight against the world, the flesh, and the devil, against the enemies of Holy Mother Church. Thou didst predict this illustrious company of thy prophets who spoke of it inspired, although in a very obscure and very secret terms. Thou shalt set aside for thy inheritance a free reign, O God. And it was weakened, but thou hast made it perfect. In it shall thy animals dwell in thy sweetness, O God. Thou hast provided for the poor. The Lord shall give the word to them that preach good tidings with great power. The king of powers is of the beloved, and of the beloved and, of, and the beauty of the house shall d- divide spoils. If you sleep among the midst of lots, you shall be as the wings of a dove, covered with silver and the hinder parts of her back with the paleness of gold. When he that is in heaven appointed kings over her, they shall be white in snow and salmon. The mountain of God is a fat mountain, a curdled mountain, a fat mountain. Why suspect ye curdled mountains, a mountain in which God is well pleased to swell? For there the Lord shall dwell unto the end. What is this voluntary reign which thou hast separated and chosen for thy weakened heritage? If not those, these missionaries, these children of Mary, Thy spouse whom thou art to assemble and to separate from the world of the good of thy church, so afflicted and so weakened by the crimes of her children. What are these animals and these poor who dwell in thy heritage and to be there nourished with the heavenly sweetness that thou hast prepared for them? If not these poor missionaries trusting in providence, who will be satiated with thy divine joys? If not those mysterious animals of Ezekiel, having the humanity of man by their disinterest and beneficent charity toward their neighbor, the courage of the lion by their holy anger, and their ardent prudent zeal against the demons and the children of Babylon, and the strength of the ox by their apostolic labors, and their mortification of the flesh, and finally the swiftness of the eagle by their contemplation." In God. Yes. Let's, let's meditate on that. Let's think about that. Let's pray for that. Those are the references to the Holy Gospels, to the four Gospel writers, 
of the different symbols of the four gospel writers. Let us be deep in scripture. Let's be deep in the gospels. Let's pray for that grace. Here, St. Louis de Mumford is describing the, the attributes of the apostles of the latter times of these children of Mary. Let's pray for those graces to be children of Mary. These are the missionaries whom thou would wish to send to thy church. They shall have the eye of a man for their neighbor, the eye of a lion for thy enemies, the eye of an ox for themselves, and the eye of an eagle for thee. These imitators of the apostles shall preach with a strength and a virtue so great and so striking that they will stir up all minds and all hearts. Wheresoever they will preach, it is to them that thou wouldst give thy word, even thy mouth and thy wisdom. For I will give you a mouth and a wisdom, which all your adversaries shall not be able to resist or gainsay, which none of thy enemies will be able to resist. It is among these well-beloved that thou, Holy Spirit, as King of the virtues of Jesus Christ, thy well-beloved, will take thy delight. For in all their missions they shall have no other end in view than that of giving to thee all the glory of the spoils taken from thy enemies. The King of powers is of the beloved, and of the beloved, and of the beauty of the house shall divide the spoils." By their trust and providence and their devotion to Mary, they shall have two silvery wings of the dove. That is to say, a perfect charity toward their neighbors, to bear with their defects and a great love for, the Jesus, for Jesus Christ to carry his cross. Let's meditate on this as well. Let's think about this virtue of being able to bear wrongs patiently, the virtue to carry our cross, the virtue to, to be able to fight against our own concupiscence, and this whole idea of having an eye for our neighbor an eye for our enemy, an eye for ourselves, and an eye for God. Let's look upon these people, ourselves, our neighbor, our enemies, our God, ourselves. Let's look upon ourselves and others with the eyes that God desires us to look upon them. Let's make excuses for others and none for ourselves. Let's have charity against people who hate us. It's difficult, I know. I'm not very good at that either. Thou alone as king of heaven and king of kings shall set apart the world, these missionaries like so many kings, in order to make them whiter than the snow on the top of Mount Solomon, the mountain of God, the sermon and fertile mountain in which God takes wonderful delight and in which he dwells and shall dwell until the end. Let's just think about one thing here, the whiter than the snow on the top of the mountain of Selman. As white as snow. Think about that. Think about the fact that we need to be pure. Blessed are the pure of heart, for they shall see God. Let us pray and ask God to give us a pure heart, to make us chaste, to make us virtuous in this desire and this element, that we have white garments, non-soiled. And if they are already soiled, let us pray that they be cleaned, that God wash them away so that way we may be transformed and made holy. Lord God of truth, who is this mysterious mountain of which thou speakest such wonderful things, if not Mary, thy dear spouse, whose foundation thou hast placed upon the tops of the highest mountains? The foundations thereof are in the holy mountains. The mountain of the house of the Lord shall be prepared in the top of mountains. Happy a thousand times happier the priest whom thou hast chosen and predestined to dwell with thee upon this abundant and divine mountain, there to become the kings of eternity by their contempt of the world and their elevation in God, there to be made whiter than snow by their union with Mary, thy spouse, all beautiful, all pure, all immaculate, there to be enriched with the dew of heaven and the riches of the land, with all the temporal and eternal blessings with, with, with which Mary is filled. It is from the top of this mountain that, like other Moseses, they shall direct the arrows of the ardent prayer against their enemies to crush 
or to convert them. It is upon this mountain that they shall learn, even from the lips of Jesus Christ, who always dwells there, the meaning of his eight beatitudes. It is upon this mountain of God that they shall be transfigured with him as upon Tabor, die with him as upon Calvary, and ascend to heaven with him as upon Mount Olivet. The mountain, a symbol of Our Lady. Let us meditate on that. That's something I've actually never thought about before. Our Lady as the mountain, something that brings us to God who brings us to his suffering, brings us to his beatitudes, that brings us to in the interpretation, to brings us to his transfiguration. It's a beautiful thing. Remember, O Lord, that congregation, it is thy grace alone that must form this company. If man touches it first, nothing will be done. If he inf- interferes with thy work, he will spoil all, overturn all. Thy congregation, it is thy work, great God. Do thy work, do thy all-divine work. Collect, call, gather together thy elect from all places over which thou hast dominion and make of them a strong army to defend thy heritage against thy enemies. Yeah, that's an important thing to note. It's not us who are doing it. It is not us. It is God himself who does this. Seest thou, Lord, God of battles, seest thou the captains who are forming full battalions, the the potent, the potentates who are assembling whole fleets, the merchants gathering in large numbers at the markets and the fairs, crowds of robbers, drunkards, libertines, and pious men are uniting against thee every day. And so easily and promptly the sound of a whistle, the beat of a drum, the sight of a blunt sword tip, the promise of a withered laurel wreath, the offer of a bit of gold or silver in a word, a breath of fame and earthly interest, a vile pleasure for which thou long can in a moment unite robbers as one. Call forward soldiers, assembled battalions, bring together merchants, fill houses and marketplaces, and cover the earth and the sea with an innumerable multitude of the reprobate, who although divided among themselves by the places whence they come, by the differences in their dispositions or by their personal interests, are nevertheless united as one man until death to fight against thee under the banner and the leadership of the demon. Isn't that true? Isn't that true that the revolution, the enemies of Holy Mother Church, even though they seem to be so divided, so different from one another, like what does a Muslim have in common with a Protestant that has in common with the LGBT mob, that has in common with an atheist, which happens in common with a secularist, which have in common with a pagan? On the surface, it seems nothing. But the thing that they have in common is that they are anti-Christ. They are against Christ's Holy Mother Church. All of them do. And the same thing in the church as well. If those who are against Holy Mother Church that, are, that claim to be in the church, that claim to be good Catholics, they too are united under the banner of the devil. There doesn't need to be some grand conspiracy where they all get together in some secret room and plot out these things out because they don't need to because their leadership is under the banner of the devil. And the devil doesn't need to set up meetings. All he has to do is whisper in their ears. Little, just little whispers, movements to direct them to do things that end up uniting into one grand plan doesn't require some grand conspiracy because the grand conspiracy is that we are not fighting against flesh and blood. Ultimately, ultimately we fight against the principalities, the devils, the demons. And we great God, although there is so much glory and profit, so much sweetness and so many advantages to be gained by serving thee, shall there be so few to take up thy cause? Hardly any soldiers under thy banner. Nary a St. Michael to proclaim among thy brethren in zeal for thy glory. Who is like unto God? Isn't that true? How many people do you know 
that want to get up and fight against the enemies of Holy Mother Church. Now, I'm not asking how many people are good Catholics, how many people go to church on Sunday, how many people believe in the faith. I'm asking how many people will rise up to actively fight against the enemies of Holy Mother Church. Not many, I would say. Ah, let me cry out everywhere. Fire, 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 help, 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 fire, even within the sanctuary. Help for our brother who is being murdered. Help for our children whose throats are being cut. Help for our father who is being stabbed. If any man be on the Lord's side, let him join with me. This is a call. This is a call from St. Louis de Mumford. He's asking, he's saying, look, there is a fire within the sanctuary and we're sitting at home. Help. My brother is being murdered. My children are having their throats cut. This is a symbol of heresy that is worse than murder, that kills the soul. He's saying, help. There is fire in the sanctuary. My brothers are being murdered. My sons are being murdered. And what are we doing? If any man be on the Lord's side, let him join with me. Let all good priests who are spread over the Christian world and those who are actually on the battlefield and those who have withdrawn from the combat to bury themselves in deserts and solitude, let them all come forward and unite with us in unity. There is strength so that we may form under the banner of the cross, a well-regulated army in a battle array and together attack the enemies of God who have already sounded the alarm. They have shouted, they have raged, they have swelled their ranks. Let us break their bonds asunder. Let us cast away their yoke from us. He that dwelleth in heaven shall laugh at them. Let the Lord arise. Let his enemies be dispersed. Arise, O Lord, while sleep, why sleepest thou? Arise, arise, O Lord, who I feignest thou to sleep. Arise in thy might, thy mercy, and thy justice to form thyself a chosen bodyguard, to keep thy house, to defend thy glory, and to save the souls brought, bought at the price of thy precious blood. So that there may be but one fold and one shepherd, and that all may glorify thee in thy holy temple, and his holy in his temple all shall proclaim his glory. Amen. Maybe we should start praying this prayer more often. Start praying this prayer maybe every week. Once a week, pray this prayer. Meditate on the prayer. Spend 30 minutes thinking about it. It's a beautiful prayer. I don't know if I'm going to have time to go through everything else because um, it just this took way longer than I thought it would. And it's just a beautiful thing. I guess I'll just have to revisit St. Louis de Mumford again another time because there's so many things that are just so beautiful, so perfect. And we've already almost filled a whole hour dedicated to St. Louis de Mumford. I may cover just a couple more things. The prayer of divine wisdom. I'm not going to go through the whole prayer because I just, it's just not enough time. But maybe we'll do a whole podcast on the love of eternal wisdom. St. Louis de Mumford makes the point under in his prayer for love of eternal wisdom that if we want to have the virtue of wisdom, which St. Louis de Mumford sees as a most important virtue, a virtue that's more important than the, the many of the other virtues, because with wisdom, if we, if we have courage but no wisdom— with no prudence, then, then we're just brash. But So we need wisdom because wisdom is Christ, is God himself. God is the eternal wisdom. And our lady's seed of wisdom will guide us to that wisdom that is Christ. Because if we claim to love God, how can we? How can we love God if we do not know him? If we do not contemplate his mysteries, if we don't contemplate the 15 mysteries of the Holy Rosary, if we don't meditate on scripture, if we don't meditate upon the things of God, if we don't learn philosophy and theology. Now, not all of us need to become philosophers and theologians, but we do need to understand God in a better and a closer way. 
because you cannot love what you do not know. Think about someone you know in your life that you love. Your mother, your father, your brother, sister, daughter, spouse, son, a friend. If you did not know them, could you love them in a real way? It's kind of like what they say about uh, communist, humanitarians, environmentalists, these kind of people, these people who love humanity. People love humanity but don't love people. Why? Because you don't know anyone. You don't love people. You don't know anyone. You have to know someone to love them. Just like whenever you're dating someone, you get to know them. And that infatuation goes away, but the love intensifies. And in marriage, in marriage, you that love should intensify further because then you get to know them on a deeper level. That's why the marital act, the sexual union between a husband and a wife, and scripture was known, was the term used there was they knew one another. Because whenever you know someone on a more intimate level, you love them more. And so how can we love God if we do not know him, if we do not seek to know him, and if we do not ask to give, get the grace of wisdom and ask Our Lady to grant us this grace of wisdom? Because St. Louis de Montfort talks about how we have to continuously ask over and over and over again for the grace of wisdom. It can't just be one thing. Let me see if maybe I have that pulled up. Can we love someone we do not even know? Can we love deeply someone we know only vaguely? Why is Jesus, the adorable, eternal, and incarnate wisdom, loved so little, if not because he is either too little known or not known at all? If we love God, my friends, if we love God, we need to make him known to everyone. Because if we don't make him known, then no one will love him. And so we have to learn the faith if we want to pass it on to someone else. We can't just be content with what we know. We don't live in a time where we have that luxury. We have to be fighters. We have to be the children of Mary. Uh, I just want to go through this whole thing, but there's just not enough time today. I'm going to end with this. I, I told I was going to talk about Our Lady and the Rosary and things like that, but I just don't have time. Uh, there's many episodes I've done on this topic. I highly recommend the one with Gabriel Castillo if you want to dive deeper into that topic. But Secret of the Rosary, highly recommend. Secret of Mary, highly recommend. True Devotion to Mary. All those things, though, we're actually directed to knowing eternal wisdom. It's for praying for the grace of eternal wisdom because St. Louis de Montfort's whole thesis was that we can know God better. We can come to eternal wisdom better through the Blessed Virgin. And that was his whole thing. That was his whole mission. And I like this one quote here. It is just as much incumbent upon the laity, that's you and I, the laity, he says, if, if the priests and religious have an obligation to meditate on the truth of our holy religion, the same obligation falls upon the laity. So this whole Vatican II, the, the, what is the, the holiness of all believers or something like that, I for, I'm forgetting all of a sudden. I, they say um, that the Vatican II says that we have the, that all people are called to a, to a uni- universal call to holiness. There we go. I knew I would get it eventually. The Vatican II Lumen Gentium says that we all have a universal call to holiness. Yeah, that's true. Obviously, I accept that 100%. But the re- thing that rubs me the wrong way is that the people act as if that this is a revolutionary thing at the Second Vatican Council. This is something that was preached about by St. Francis de Sales that St. Louis de Mumford emphasized greatly 
that he was saying that if the religious have an obligation to meditate on the truths of God, of holy religion, then so too do you and I as a laity. We have to learn the truths of our religion. And he says, what is the greatest way to do this? The greatest way for us is to frequent meditations on the life, the virtues, and the sufferings of our blessed Lord, which are so beautifully contained in the 15 mysteries of the Holy Rosary. The Holy Rosary, let's think about that for a second. The Holy Rosary is the most powerful weapon to touch the heart of Jesus, our Redeemer who loves his mother. So many beautiful quotes. I'm going to link in the description, uh, first of all, to all the books that I referenced in this in this video. And I also will be leaving um, a link to all the articles that I referenced here, even though I didn't get to talk about them all. Okay, I'm going to conclude there because it's been almost an hour at this point. So I highly recommend checking this out. If you want to hear more about St. Louis de Montfort, let me know. I'd be happy to do more episodes on St. Louis de Montfort because I just love this man, a great and holy priest, someone we need for our times. And let's pray the fiery prayer of St. Louis de Montfort. Okay, last thing. Uh, yeah, I'll check out the links in the description. Don't forget to like, subscribe, share, hit the bell notification, leave me a review. Uh, I probably need to redo the intro because I need to include all that in the intro because no one's going to actually get to the end. If you actually made it to the end, let me know that you actually listened to the whole thing end to end. That'd be super cool. We'll close out in a Hail Mary as usual, but uh, I, I will try to get the episode on transhumanism and the metaverse and stuff out next week. I'll do my best. No promises. And last thing will be I am still working on the trying to do a series on how to serve the traditional mass. So pray for my intentions. Pray for uh, the ministry that I'm trying to do here. Um, there's a lot of projects that I have up in the air that I'm just, uh, just overwhelmed with. I've committed to a lot of things and I'm struggling to get them all done. Anyway, uh, again, please like, subscribe, share it, uh, leave reviews if you're listening to the podcast version, because that's how this podcast gets out to other people. I can't do it without you because, I mean, it's just, it's just hard to get Catholic stuff out to the public. Um, so anyway, let us close out in prayer. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost, amen. Ave Maria, gratia plena, Dominus tecum, benedicta tuum mulieribus, et benedictus fructus ventris tui, Jesus. Santa Maria, Mater Dei, ora pro nobis peccatoribus, nunc et in ora mortis nostri. Amen. In the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost. Amen. Our Lady, Seat of Wisdom, pray for us.